All right, all right, all right. It's always good to be with you guys on uh, what we refer to most affectionately as the Lord's Day. Now, there's another celebration going on today. I, I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, called, uh, called Halloween. And if you research the history of this, it's fairly confusing and not too certain. Um, pagan church traditions over centuries kind of get merged and whatever it's become in America. Uh, my sense is for most folks here, they're secularists. And so when they talk about spiritual stuff, it's just pretend. Now, we understand better. Paul's made clear in Corinthians there's only one God. There are no other gods. But there are spiritual forces of evil that uh, we, we take seriously. So we don't want to take anything too lightly. And, and some may be moved uh, because of their understanding of this not to participate at all. Uh, others of us are going to participate this. And, and here's always my vision for Halloween. We bring Jesus to Halloween. Uh, I tell you, folks, there's no other celebration in our annual year where people mix more with one another in our culture than Halloween. So my encouragement is, folks, strangers, come to your door, be friendly, be happy, and give them great candy. You never know where those relationships are going to go. And you want people to remember those were really nice, generous people in the days ahead. If you're out there with kids or grandkids running around, be happy and friendly. There is no holiday in our calendar year where we have more opportunity to meet more people. Wherever we go, Jesus goes. So anyway, have, have, uh, have a, a good day. And as we look at the text today, I think it ought to encourage us and give us hope as we confront today and every day. There, there ought to be more confidence with who we are and, and what's going on in our lives. And, and we're going to look at the, the part of the Trinity this morning that is less focused on. Jesus gets the most focused, then I would say the Father. The Holy Spirit uh, gets the least but Paul in this text is going to encourage the Corinthians and us to recognize and I believe celebrate the indispensable role that the Holy Spirit has in, in our lives. I'm convinced that Paul's convinced that if we have a more thorough appreciation for the spiritual dynamic that has occurred and is occurring and will occur because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're going to live with a confidence and boldness that's greater than what we have. And the church family is going to get even healthier. So here we go into chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except for the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father, I pray that uh, through your Holy Spirit, you will help us to understand your Holy Spirit a little more thoroughly this morning. I pray that no matter what we're facing in our daily lives, no matter what's going on at work, at home, in our communities, I pray, Father, that we would leave here with a greater confidence than when we arrived. That your Holy Spirit is real, that he has been working and that he is working in our lives. I pray, Father, that we would never feel helpless and we would never feel alone. Oh, Father, you are at work and your Holy Spirit lives and moves. So move in us in our time here together to give us a clear understanding of your Holy Spirit. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I three, see three big ideas in these, these first 11 verses of, of the 12th chapter. And the first one is this, the Holy Spirit empowering our conversion, our coming to treasure and trust Christ. The role he has in that is a big deal. Now, he's going to get to that point through three smaller ideas. So we're going to unpack them as we go. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, he is, there's a signature uh, line that he's, he's, he's given us kind of a new subject. Now, it's still related to the big subject that these guys aren't loving one another very well. We looked at uh, communion and man alive, some are coming with a lot of food and they're not even sharing, they're getting drunk. We looked at this week. This week we're looking at the, the apportioning of the Holy Spirits and what's unmistakably going on in this church is some are looking with some folks and they go, oh, they got better gifts. You got a smaller gift. You got a lesser gift. So the big idea here is there's still these divisions that are taking place and Paul's trying to correct this. And we're going to look at this, this theme of spiritual gifts two weeks, next week as well. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. We can assume from that that they are not as informed as he would like them to be or he wouldn't say what he's going to say. And here's this first idea. You know that when you were pagans, before you came to treasure Christ, there's not necessarily uh, all the negativism that we attribute to that word today in this word. He's just saying before you treasured Christ, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Now, what I want you to notice here, because he's setting up his argument, is the verb led there used twice. He is not denying their human responsibility in, in, in their choosing to follow mute, or it could actually be translated stupid idols. It's a piece of granite. It's a piece of rock. It's a piece of wood. And you're following this, but notice here the emphasis on their being led. And so if I were to summarize what he's saying, Paul is saying, I'm not sure who or how you got led, influenced. People, spiritual forces, to some degree doesn't matter. But there were influences in 
you not choosing Christ that led you to worship non-living inanimate objects. That's where he starts, and then he moves. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand, and here's the second idea here, no one speaking in the Spirit of God. No one led by the Spirit of God would ever say this. Jesus is accursed, and the word there is anathema, uh, uh, literally in Greek that sometimes we transliterate and use in English, but to be damned. I don't know how you got led or who led you to follow those idols, but I do want you to understand this. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you never speak ill of Jesus. You can't. The Holy Spirit's role is to reveal Jesus, to promote Jesus. So I don't know how you got led to these other guys. Now let's be clear before I give you the big idea that if you're led by the Spirit, you speak well of Jesus. And then you get to the third idea, which I hope is to some degree obvious. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one, and here's the big idea, can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I don't know who led you to the mute idols, but here's what I want to make absolutely clear. If you see the reality of Jesus and who he is, that he died and he rose from the dead, and that has convicted you of your sin, and you have placed your faith in him so that you can genuinely, authentically say, Jesus is Lord, this is not an accident. And you're not on your own. This is evidence that the Holy Spirit has done a work in your life in order for us to be able to see that. Now, every individual who celebrates Jesus as Lord has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to see that. There's the big idea. And if we get this, I think it even encourages our evangelism. When I started to see this truth in Scripture, gave me great confidence about my own faith, and it helped me relax about evangelism. When I first came to faith, before I understood what I think Paul is trying to say here, I felt a pressure. I got to get people saved. I got to lay this out, and I got to get them convinced, and I've got to close the deal. I started seeing this theology, and I went, there's no pressure. Now, I want to articulate the truth of Jesus always as best I can. I want to meet people where they are. I ask lots of questions, believe it or not, before I share anything to try and understand where people are coming from so I can deal with the issues that they're feeling in their life. But it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. We get to be used in the process. Now, I've actually been with folks when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to trust Christ. Here's my confidence. It was not me. I will tell you, other than knowing Jesus myself, the greatest joy I have is in talking about him with those who are in the process. So what I want to talk about here, just a second, is the process of coming to treasure Jesus. 
And there are two terms that often get used synonymously, and that's not inappropriate if those who are using them intend them that way. But we talk about regeneration conversion, and for most folks, that's when we get born again and when we come to faith. What I want to do is pull these two apart and be more precise, because they're two sides of the same coin of us coming to treasure Jesus. And I'm convinced it's what Paul's referencing in, in, in these verses we're just looking at, but he's given us a summary. Now, he gets this theology from Jesus, and, 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 and we're going to look at that. And then another text from Paul where he'll talk about this a little more fully. But regeneration is this. The Holy Spirit working in us to awaken us to treasure Jesus. It's God's role. It's the part he does, if you'll allow me, without us. It is just his work. Now again, this theology, I'm convinced, comes from Jesus ultimately. Here's what Jesus said. He's with Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, and Nicodemus says, man, you're a really smart guy. You must be from God. And Jesus uses that as an opportunity to unpack this theology that we're going to call regeneration. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, born again, I love that term. My sense is many people miss the depth of significance that's used in, in Jesus' mind and his intent when he says that word. So everybody here has been born at least once, correct? <laughs> May I see the hands of you that remember your birth? May I see the hands of you who had anything to do with your birth? Now, I love the theology of being born again. But I'm going to tell you, if we're not paying attention to Scripture, we look at born again, and who do we think made our birth happen? Oh, Jesus died. He rose from the dead, but it was me that made. I brought about my own spiritual birth. Now, I want you to notice what he doesn't say to Nicodemus as well as what he does. He doesn't say to Nicodemus, come follow me. Now, that's true, and that's accurate, but Jesus has another point here to unpack the role of the Holy Spirit. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course not. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, I don't think a direct allusion to baptism, just he's connecting here water and spirit of the cleansing that comes through the spirit, the washing. Unless he's born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said to you. You must be born again. Then he says this in verse 8. These are not Popular verses in evangelical culture. <laughs> the wind blows where it wishes. Now he's got Nicodemus asking about new life in Christ. Notice what Paul says. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, Nicodemus, the Holy Spirit's got to do a work in your life. God has to move. That's what needs 
to happen. Paul picks it up in Ephesians 2. Talking about the same thing here in 1 Corinthians 12. And you were dead. Now, when people are dead, I don't know if you've ever been with a corpse, and I'm not trying to connect with Halloween or be gross, but I've been with folks when they're dead. They don't make any choices. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, biggest but in the Bible, right here. You were dead, but God did his thing being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he has loved us. Even when we were dead, we couldn't do anything in our trespasses. God made us alive together with Christ, and by grace you have been saved. That's what grace is. God doing his work and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And here's the most famous verses of this passage. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. Finally here, in looking at text here, we got the Apostle John in the first epistle, and I want you to notice the verb tenses here, because they're very precise, and they're e easier to see this in Greek than it is in English. Everyone who believes, that's the present tense, that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. Now, this is the perfect tense in Greek, and it's a very precise tense. It's the tense always used of Jesus' death and always used of his resurrection. It's a past event with ongoing implications. So here's what John is saying. If we believe that Christ is Lord, if we actually believe that he's the Messiah, that means we have been born of God God has done his thing. What's conversion? Our response to the Holy Spirit's regenerative work in us. We choose to treasure Jesus. Is it a decision we make? Yes or no? Yes. Now, how much did most of us know about regeneration when we came to faith? Let me tell you, though, I was raised in the church, I knew almost nothing. So in my early 20s, when I chose Jesus, I chose Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I was smarter than other people. They didn't choose him. I must be smarter. If he's the way, the truth, and the life, nobody gets to the Father but by him. I figured it out. How did I figure it out? The Holy Spirit did a work in me. And I was dead. And he made me alive. And I was born again. Lots of verses all through Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal Life. So here's the reality. If we're sitting here today and we're treasuring Christ, there is a stinking miracle that has occurred in our life. 
Now, I'd like to see God do all kinds of extraordinary miracles. Folks, there ain't anything bigger than this one. None of us is smart enough to figure this out on our own. Now, do we figure it out? We do. We're going to have a baptism at the end of our service, so hang around. My favorite thing we ever do corporately is baptisms. I believe there's something special about it. This young man will talk about the choices he made. Did he make real choices? Yes. Did he make them on his own? The Spirit of God moved in his heart. So every individual who celebrates Jesus' Lord has been powered to the Holy Spirit to do that. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now go to the second idea here. The Holy Spirit gives us each spiritual gifts. Every one of us. Now this is the problem going on in the church there. Their hierarchy of some gifts are more important than others. And so therefore the people with the puny gifts are less important and less significant. Here's the second big idea Paul's trying to make clear. You get saved because Jesus works in your life. And then to every one of us, he, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service in which those gifts get used, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities in which the varieties of gifts get expressed again. But it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, everyone, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith. And this isn't faith and trust in Christ. He's presuming the people all there have that faith. He's talking about a special element of faith. They just can trust like crazy. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit of portions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. And we're going to talk about this again more next week. But a few ideas in this. Every Jesus treasure has been spiritually gifted by the Holy Spirit. If we can proclaim that Jesus is Lord authentically, the Holy Spirit has empowered us to come to faith, and he has given us gifts, that same Spirit. Are they primarily our doing? They are gifts. We have different gifts as determined by the Holy Spirit. Everybody saw that in there? Because sometimes I think we can envy, and that's certainly going back on the church in Corinth, some people's gifts over others. And our spiritual gifts have been given to us for the good of the church family. Now, we're going to talk about that more next week, so I'm not going to develop that today. Now, there's lots of gifts in there. I'm not going to go through the specific gifts this morning because I want to deal with another subject. I 
I don't know that we're experiencing division. It doesn't feel like to me with people having different spiritual gifts, it doesn't feel like you're experiencing division. But in 35 years of doing this pastoral gig, it feels like to me, a lot of people have an underappreciation for the spiritual gifts they've been given. Because in our culture, there are some that are held with higher esteem. So I'm going to try and address that issue here in, in a theological way with answering this question. So when do we receive our spiritual gifts? And it feels like to me those that are held in the highest esteem are those that are given after we come to treasure Christ and we get a gifting we didn't have. In the list, you look at gifts of healing, gifts of speaking in tongues. They've got some, some gifts there that some of those, unmistakably, people did not have that gift until they came to faith. The Holy Spirit took up residence in their lives, and then they were empowered to do things that they weren't empowered to do before. My experience has been, those are the gifts that even today we tend to esteem just a little higher, along with some others. You following me? Here's my conviction, though. I say some, but I really mean most as I look at life. I think God can give some gifts, and I'm open to him giving any gift at any time to anybody who treasures him for the good of the church, whatever it would be. If you know the term cessationist, I am not a cessationist. I believe God can give any gift to anybody he wants to at any time. And if he wants to give us gifts that we didn't have before we came to faith, pour them on us. You will hear me once in a while, and I'll probably end today by fill us with your spirit. That's what I'm praying. <laughs> Part of that prayer with filling. But most gifts, I believe, were given to us before conversion. And that giftingness gets transformed our motivation gets transformed into using that for God's glory. I know people that, I'll just tell you, I think have the gift of leadership. Some that have the gift of hospitality. I think there are endless gifts. There's no comprehensive list in Scripture. Now, I think they were practicing those gifts, most of them, before they came to faith in Christ. Are you following me? Then they meet Christ, and how do they want to use those gifts? To promote his glory, to build up the church family, to let people see the life and faith of Jesus. Now let me go back. Who gave them that gift? The Holy Spirit. Now did they understand they'd been given that gift by the Holy Spirit before they were converted? Most people not. But it's still from him. Now it's being used for the glory of God, for the good of the, holy fellow, the fellowship. So however the Holy Spirit gave us our spiritual gifts, they are from him. So whatever your spiritual gift, a miracle has occurred. We tend to go, those things are natural gifts. In a certain semantic range, we can say that. Our conviction is everything comes from him. We can talk about it more with next week, but we don't want to diminish, therefore, any of those gifts. And then the third idea here, which is a summary of the first two, if you will, 
the Holy Spirit being the solitary source of our faith and the solitary source of our giftedness is a big deal. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Ten times he's going to reference this. Ten times. He's trying to make a point. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We'll deal with this more next week for the common good. That'll be a big thing. For to, one, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. Anybody, you get any idea? To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit but portions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of one body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. The Holy Spirit has done a supernatural, miraculous, regenerative work in every one of our lives. If we treasure Christ... A supernatural miracle has taken place. The Holy Spirit has given each one of us spiritual gifts. Every one of us. God has done something supernatural in our lives. And the Holy Spirit has connected us all to himself and to one another. I read an article in the Atlantic Journal this week on the evangelical church is falling apart. Feels like to me a lot of truth in it. We've got a culture with the challenges and everybody's angry, everybody's ticked off. Guy references two specific churches that would be like ours in terms of their theological focus. Facing all kinds of trials. People are just ticked off. Why is a lack of unity? Why is a lack of love in the fellowship? Why is it so offensive to God? Because he's connected us in his Holy Spirit. There's a supernatural miracle that's taken place that unites us. We'll not all be cheering for the Vikings next week. I understand. Politically, lots of the issues going on in our culture that we will as a church family view differently. Is that okay? I actually think a great sign of health. We see a lot of us stuff differently. We don't have to agree on all that stuff. But we got a supernatural union with Christ, with the Spirit, and therefore a supernatural union with one another. 
So we're going to talk about that stuff appropriately, kindly, and lovingly. But mostly we're going to talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been working, is working, and will continue to work for our good. Again, we're facing all kinds of challenges in our culture, all kinds of challenges in our world. We are not going to be afraid of anything. The Holy Spirit did a miracle in our life to bring us to faith. The Holy Spirit has given us each gifts to use for his glory. We are never, ever alone. Most importantly, we're connected with God. And we're connected with one another. So, here's what I'm going to encourage you to think about. Thank and praise God for the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Think just a second, right now. Lord, I treasure you. (laughs) Thanks for opening my eyes. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for uniting us to himself and to one another. Sometime today, I'd like you to spend a few minutes and just ask, what are the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me? What are they? Twenty, thirty years ago, this was a hot subject. There were all kinds of things you can do, and I'm not opposed to using any of these to figure out what your spiritual gift is. I think there are two qualities that will help you identify it. It's something you're good at, and you enjoy doing it. I've talked to people who said, oh, this is my spiritual gift, but I don't really love it. I think it may not actually be your spiritual gift. (laughs) Just say it. But what do you find joy doing? And what do you have so somewhat proficiently you can use it? And just spend a few minutes, how am I using that gift or gifts that God's given me? How am I doing it? Now, if you're married, I I want you to, sometime this afternoon, share with your spouse some of the spiritual gifts you see in them. Now, wives, I understand with some, some of us men, it may be hard. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to ask Julie to do this. <laughs> if you're not married, a good friend that you love in Christ, share what gifts you see that they have and encourage them. The Holy Spirit is intentionally behind the scenes, focuses on Christ. That's the way this thing was put together. But I think sometimes underappreciating his role, we end up underappreciating what he has done, is doing in our life. 
And the reality is there's a miracle going on in every one of our lives. Father, thanks for your love. Thanks for your grace. Thank you for this life, for this world, with all the challenges it brings. We see even this as a gift of yours. Thanks for giving us relationships with all kinds of folks. We have different relationships with different people, but we all have different gifts. My prayer, Father, is that you will continue to give us a confidence, no matter what's going on in our life, that you are, in fact, working. And I pray this afternoon, as we think about what you've said here in Corinthians, I pray that you would make more clear to every one of us what you have been doing and what you are doing. Father, help us to see it. Not that we would ever boast. Help us to appreciate it. <laughs> Again, not that we would tell others primarily about it. But help us to see this work to increase our confidence and hope and trust in you.